Good day, class, and welcome to It Needs to be Catchy. I'm your favorite vibranium synthesoid, the Professor Vision, and uh, joining me as uh, as always is our own uh, volatile sorcerer, uh, our Wanda, Daniel Milwee. How are you, Daniel? I will accept. Uh, I'm a little uncomfortable right now because right as I sat down to join the Zoom to start this uh podcast episode i broke the chair i was sitting in and i you know i don't consider myself to be a fat ass but this is the second office chair i've broken in like three months in the same way so feel a little down i guess (laughs) physically actually physically lower than i have been yeah, well, I mean, I guess as long as it doesn't, you know, rattle up too much on the microphone, we'll we'll be okay. Um, and I, you know, I'll be okay regardless. But uh, the third member of our crew, our um, uh, the 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 Hawkeye who comes in in the middle of Civil War and breaks up the the fight between Vision and Wanda, is our audio uh, engineer and producer Greg Allen, who will probably be a little bit less okay if there's lots of chair clattering on the recording. How are you, Greg? I'm I'm good. Not so worried about the chair clattering as much as I am uh, Hawkeye. That's awesome. I've always wanted to fly. <laughs> <laughs> I have things to say about that, but well, uh, I, I imagine you have lots of things to say. Of course, I have lots of things to say as well. But before we uh, get into the meat of this episode, uh, do you have a challenge for me? I do, although I will say this one probably isn't a challenge. So, by the way, this is Daniel's segment. The this part of the show that <laughs> remains most elusive in terms of a proper title. You know what we need is a Daniel segment theme. Ooh. There we uh, go. Would that it something... just be farts or would it have something besides farts? <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe that can be something, uh, something we'll reach out to our new close personal friend, Kevin McLeod about. Okay. So yes, I, I do feel like I've been dominating you <laughs> this season so far. And I wasn't really intentionally trying to give you a freebie, but I was kind of thinking about themes and I was going down a little rabbit hole myself. And I just ended up in this one that I, I just kind of wanted to talk about. Uh, it calls back to some of the stuff that we talked about first season anyway. And I think it will be a decent bridge for, for the subject of the show today. So here we go. You can't see it, but I've leaned closer to the screen as though somehow there are not headphones on my ears. (laughs) I'll be able to hear it no matter where I am. That's right. Even more intense. Okay, here we go. All right, so you're right. I know exactly which one that is. That is, of course, uh, Baywatch Nights. And, uh, <laughs> no, is uh, it's the Many Loves of Dobie Gillis, is it not? It is the Many Loves of Dobie Gillis. I figured you would get that just because of your obsession with Bob Denver. <laughs> oh, I have an obsession with Bob Denver. <laughs> I'm rewriting history. You now have an obsession with Bob Denver. You're taking plays out of my playbook. I have less to talk about the song and more to talk about like the fact about the show, which I like, which is that 
I mean, I have, I suppose, some issues occasionally with the boutique DVD Blu-ray companies, but Shout Factory uh, does a lot of cool things. And one things that they have, one thing that they have been doing uh, lately is going back to old TV shows that have seemingly like kind of dropped off the face of the planet and doing a, a proper re-release of them. And uh, Dobie Gillis is one of their mm-hmm. chosen shows. So they cleaned it up a lot. And, you know, I mean, it's how often am I going to pull a DVD of <laughs> the many loves of Dobie Gillis off my shelf and watch it? Uh, almost never. But, you know, the fact that someone out there is maintaining these shows, at least from a historic standpoint, I think is pretty cool. Sure, Absolutely. Um, the song itself is pretty typical for the time. In fact, I came across it the first time after uh, uh, a direct link from listening to the TV theme for Gidget, which is, you know, both of those songs have like the name right there several, several times, you know, in the, in the lyrics, but yeah. Well, I, I love that you picked that one. I'm going to pause right here just so uh, Greg can remind us of the uh, of the the score for the season. Um, now that now that my percentage is up just a little bit. Yeah, Joey, you've uh, you've doubled your percentage at this point. The uh, the scores <laughs> right now is uh, Daniel still has four, but Joey now has two. Look at that! Uh, I'm coming to go. get you. There are <laughs> there is there is enough there are enough episodes left in the season <laughs> that if I get if I write a write a hot hand, uh, listen just like just like in just like in hockey, it doesn't matter what happens in the regular season. It's what happens once you get to the playoffs. You just got to make the playoffs. That's right. <laughs> well, but but what's the winning percentage you need to get into the playoffs? Can I have can I have can I be sub 500 and still get in? I mean, I feel like since there's only two competitors, you're getting in. <laughs> you stay in for the flop, but then you hold out for that river. Uh. <laughs> oh, all right. Our metaphors are now fully mixed. <laughs> well, that's Texas Hold'em, but I also can't remember if I even got the order right on that. But <laughs> I think anyway. so. Anyway, right, right, right. Anyway, I was yeah. I was gonna say, um, I um you know, whether or not you uh, intended to do it, I'm going to pretend like you intended to do it because I, I, I'm, I'm an optimist that way. Um, I think it's great that you went with a, uh, a 50s era series. Yeah, that was that, that had, um, that, that has, uh, that has lyrics because of course they, um, the theme of today's uh, episode and not something that we had planned when we were starting the season, but shortly after the series premiered, it became clear that it was an imperative for us to, uh, to address this is uh, today we're going to be talking all about WandaVision. Uh, the, uh, the limited series uh, that's part of the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe uh, that premiered on Disney Plus at the beginning of this year. It quickly captured uh, a lot of imaginations for a variety of reasons. But if you are a, uh, a lover of television uh, history and lore, uh, both in terms of style and substance, Boy, howdy, does this uh, show have a lot for you? Um, and one of the uh, one of the things, and of course, you know, spoiler alert: if you haven't watched uh, WandaVision yet, you do, and you don't want to be spoiled about any like little piece of it at all, uh, please stop listening now. I'm going to pause for five seconds to allow your fumbling. Good night. Thing. 
Good night. <laughs> to reach, uh, to reach the stop button. But by God, please stop listening now. Go watch it and then come back to us. Or uh, you, there are going to be plenty of other episodes of ours that you can listen to in the meantime to get your fill. One, two, three, four, five. But I will say, Again, uh, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, go. it was intentional um, to choose it. But yeah, as uh, might become apparent very shortly, I have not actually seen minute one of WandaVision. The thing that I feel like could most qualify as a spoiler, other than actually like listening to some audio segments uh, that we're going to listen to today, is uh, the idea that as the series progresses, so do the eras of television in which uh, some of the series takes place in. And so we begin way back in the uh, the fifties, and slowly move forward uh, through time until we catch up um, almost to the present. And so, uh, so our approach to this episode is we're going to take those uh, we're going to take those themes uh, week by week. I'm, uh, we're going to uh, give Daniel a chance to uh, evaluate them. And we're going to talk a little bit about their influences. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about you know what we're what we're hearing there, and then we'll also uh, we'll also discuss uh, some of the elements of the song and uh, and really give you a chance to think about like the amazing role that these themes play in the series. Okay, yeah. So I know just by talking to people that it does move forward in time, and that each episode kind of uh, references or calls back to a particular style and time period of TV. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we're we are going to start at the beginning of the series. We are in the uh, the fifties. Uh, so the first song goes a little something like this. Okay, so there's number one. You hear some Dobie Gillis in there? <laughs> oh, I did. And um, especially with the swell, um, God, it's kind of muddled to me because I think my brain, because of She's a Witch, like the first thing I'm going to think is Bewitched, even though Bewitched is 60s. Right. And it certainly doesn't really sound like Bewitched, but it's got that like orchestral swell which, you know, uh, I actually, I mean, I'm, not, I'm also not that familiar with a whole lot of 50s shows, but I know I've heard, it's like the things that I've heard before. I, co I couldn't tell you if I heard it in um, Leave it to Beaver, if I heard it in, uh, you know, I guess a little bit in the Dick Van Dyke show, but Dick Van Dyke was also in the 60s, right? But there was something about like, it's orchestral. It has that swell at the end. And there's also a story. Like, it's not just, you know, uh, music with like, it's the WandaVision show. And like, you right. name the things. They're actually kind of recounting the story, which is... Well, I, I think that, you know, I, I think I think you're, you're, you're spot on about, about a couple of things. Although, uh, Leave it to Beaver, as I recall, is just an instrumental um mm -hmm. as 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 are a lot of 50s theme songs at least in terms of how they're broadcast like i love lucy does have lyrics um almost never uh 
are heard because the the broadcast version of the theme song is simply an or, the orchestral piece. And mm-hmm. the same could be said of My Three Sons and, and a few other series. Um, and that's why it, you know, it thrilled me to hear you bring in Dobie Gillis because Dobie Gillis uh, is a good example of a 50s uh, show that does this kind of thing that they are, that they are aping on WandaVision. And clearly they need to set it up with some lyrics. They need to, you know, establish the viewer's expectations. They need, you know, they need to get them in the right mindset, which of course is, you know, the purpose of the theme song. Um, the yeah, other I might, thing- I might, I might actually argue that point of, of getting the viewer in the right mindset. Cause this show took me about two and a half episodes to figure out what was going on. So okay. it got mm-hmm. me in the right mindset of the, the, uh, uh, the, the, knit, the, the, the catchy, like, we're going to do a 50s sitcom, you know, ripoff kind of thing. And that mm-hmm. worked brilliantly. But but as for setting the scene as to the show, like I, I totally enjoyed it, but I just don't know that I knew what was happening in the show. Right. That's a fair point. Um, and I'll say one other thing about this one before we, because I feel like that's a great transition to talking about how episode two begins. You know, it's with the next version, with the next theme song. Uh, but I do want to say, like, the first time I, I heard this, the first thought that popped into my head was, uh, you know, screw you, Seth MacFarlane, for appropriating the past. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the knowledge, like, when you hear it, you're like, you can, like, you know, unless unless their digital tricker, trickery has advanced, like, really far, like, you can tell, like, that was recorded by an actual orchestra. Uh, and that's really really cool and something that that they don't really do a lot of anymore uh but the the uh but the the only the only other show i can think of that's you know currently doing something like that uh is is of course family guy so let's uh listen to uh let's listen to episode two and um and 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 see if we can pull in some of those uh those influences a little bit uh now here Tiki glass. <laughs> well, there you hear you hear you hear Bewitched and I Dream of Genie, right? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I actually was trying to figure out which one I thought it sounded more like, and I was leaning toward Genie, um, just with that like dun, the tuba. Dun, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> the tuba, <laughs> uh, the maraca, or like probably oh, yeah, wasn't yeah. even maracas. It Some was kind of shaker. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they may have actually been using a, a, a martini. <laughs> uh, <it's> just, <laughs> the track filled with filled with uh filled with rock salt um yeah um so i mean pretty sparse but like you know in terms of like i don't know how much we're going to be able to talk to it other than what we just said which is like drippingly 60s you know mm-hmm. pre-freak out <laughs> like i don't know what's the 60s version of the fucking reagan 80s like it was there was such this it was almost like an amplification of uh, the old-fashioned sensibilities of the cleavers mm-hmm. until the hippies came in and like tore things down. And 
you know, obviously they're going to go for for things like Bewitched and I Dream of Genie because of the um, because of the the witchcraft elements um, that are present in those, um, and uh, I I feel like you know again part 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 partly through the orchestrations you hear some uh, you hear some Dick Van Dyke type of uh type of influences yeah. you know we covered uh his his that that show in our earl hagan episode uh back in episode one uh sorry back in season one <laughs> but that the uh you know that, that that there's a little bit of that there as well yeah i can hear it so so i just want to say something that i noticed watching uh, watching the season through <clears throat> my first time through was that and and you know, it needs to be said in these first few episodes because they kind of got away from it. But what they did so incredibly brilliantly well was um, what you said, Daniel, like you couldn't decide if it was Dream of Genie or Bewitched. Like they were able to quote these these iconic TV shows in their themes mm-hmm. and, and in such a way that depending on how you listen to it, you heard what they were doing an homage to. Later on, we'll get to it. They started to kind of not do so many different theme right. in the one but but early on it was great that how they were able to tie all those different shows together so you're saying uh as we went on, go on they get a little bit more specific in their nods yeah, I would say their focus kind of narrows right and, and i and i think that that also speaks to the uh speaks to the you know uh television as 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 many things in the world have become more homogenous, um, entertainment programming in some ways has become less homogenous. Yeah, and there's just more and more choices, more and more types out yeah. there. Okay. Yeah, they, like you, you lean harder into genres. So let's go ahead and uh, move ahead a decade to the 70s, and I'm just going to uh, confess right up front: this one is my personal favorite. Looking good. We got something cooking, and you knew we could. All great expectations. Need to complications. That's movie and fun. It's me and it's you. Together, one plus one is more than two. So this is this is the one that I'll I'll tell you which you know because because I know you haven't been immune to hearing like some of the conversation that surrounded the show as it was airing from week to week. This is the one that that you uh, that you would have heard a lot of people uh, discussing as being Brady Bunch and Partridge Family inspired. Um, and I can I I kind of get that, but I felt like I got that more out of the uh, the visuals, which of course you didn't see there. Yeah. Um, I was gonna so the let me let me uh, approach the song a little bit first okay. before you taint me. Sure, <laughs> uh, absolutely, go for it. I do feel like after listening to it one time that this is out of the three the least one that I can point to any single you know influence, uh, okay. and I I could kind of couldn't do that with the fifties either. But like I don't know. I mean, there are some signals that i can say like oh this is this type of show that fits and this one is very interesting and curious to me because when when i think about the 70 shows that i can think of you know off the top of my head none of them sound like that but i also feel like that song is unquestionably 
seventies era. Mm-hmm. Like they did yeah. a very good job with um, the the harmonies and the repetition of you know the falling notes. So things that I was kind of thinking. I mean, literally, even Sesame Street. I could kind of. It wasn't. It doesn't sound like Sesame Street, but like there's like little audio cues that I'm like, okay, that came from that, or even the Muppets. Uh, this came from like almost kind of a Welcome Back Cotter feel, but like obviously not. I didn't even think about Welcome Back Cotter, but you know what? You're right. I can. There's a tiny like like, like there's a spoonful of Welcome Back Cotter in it. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of spoonfuls of different things in there. Um, I don't get Brady Bunch at all. I'd have to go back and listen to the Partridge Family. I always hated the Partridge Family anyway. So like, yeah, okay, Donnie Osmond on guitar, great. Woo! I mean, that's the Osmonds, but still like. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes, yeah, so the, the Partridge Family is, uh, is, is, is the Osmond Family if the Osmond Family got to do, you know, anything fun in the 70s. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Mm. Yeah, okay. So, so I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you the, the, the show that I I didn't hear, and well, first of all, I'll say, the uh, the authors of these uh, theme songs uh, at one point uh, specifically say they were going for the fringe jacket family band type of feel, um, which you know I get that, and, and to an extent I feel like there's that's probably a little bit more Partridge Family than it is uh, Brady Bunch, um, but there's one show that I didn't I've never heard anyone mention an association with it, and I can't get it out of my head when I listen uh, to that theme, and that is the Laverne and Shirley theme song. Uh-huh. You know, the, th- the two things that connect the two songs in my mind, one are the, uh, the, the backing vocals, which, you know, yes. that's, probably, that's probably what I love the most about the, the 70s WandaVision song is its backing vocals are, they're just, they're great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the other, the other part of it is, uh, the optimism can do it spirit of the lyrics, uh, which is common, it, which is a commonality in both of those, both of those themes. Yes. I see both of those as well. Uh, I think Laverne and Shirley is probably the closest that I can, you know, come to uh, of like sounding like that song. Uh, so good job on that. I also thought that, it did a good job of sounding like a song instead of a theme song, which we've kind of discussed in the previous season was just mm-hmm. something that tended to happen. Like they just have, they'd either pull a song from the radio and make it into a theme song or the theme song written for the show would become a, a hit single on its own, which immediately makes you wonder like, did you just not have fucking music in the seventies? If that's what you're listening to on the pop top pop charts, but uh, this is good. Yeah. So, um, so now we're, we're to take a, uh, a little uh, step forward into the era of television when you know we started uh, watching, and this is a point where um, where I think, and and this is one I've heard uh, from a lot of uh, you know my my generation of people as as one that's cited as a favorite, and this is the 1980s. Mm-hmm. You wander the world with a vision of what life could be. Just wait and see Forces may try to pull us apart But nothing can faze me if you're in my heart Crossing our fingers, singing a song 
Sha-na-na-na. <laughs> yes. yes. Okay, I fucking hated that one. <laughs> and I hated it, not because it's like a terribly written song, but because I could listen to that and immediately know that that would be the type of show that I would hate to watch. Like, I can just imagine... I mean, so 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 in a way, you know, they did an incredible job with it because it, right. it told you all of that. Yes. In a way, it's like, oh, OK, this is <laughs> this is the show that I would immediately turn off when it came on TV. Um, it also kind of reminded me of maybe early mid 90s, like shows that would be on the WB, like that kind of seventh heaven era, which sure. makes sense because that channel was about 10 years behind in that time right well they were they were definitely trying to evoke that that feeling they wanted they wanted the tgif sitcoms of, yeah you know yeah, yeah. yesterday back and of course you know it's uh, as as greg referenced in there like the family ties connection is really strong from the way it you know duets with a pair that you know uh they're not sound alikes for uh for john right. mathis and the, the woman who sings with him. So I apologize. I can't remember the name of her uh, right off the top of my head, but there's all, there's definitely also elements of growing pains in there. Yeah, I can hear uh, that. And, um, and, but and, all uh, like the worst version, the, the worst, whitest, most boring versions of like mayonnaise growing pains, which would be astounding to see. <laughs> like, how do you possibly do that? Miracle whip, miracle whip. <laughs> Growing pains. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure there's a series like that that must have existed out there. It was a popular enough show that like somebody tried to imitate it and it and, and did it badly. I just you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, the only thing I can think of is like a virtual reality version of Growing Pains where it's just your actual father telling you that he's disappointed in you. <laughs> it's like not a fake TV dad, just your real dad. Yeah. Um, I, I also feel like there, there are some strains of, uh, Miller Boyette type of shows in there, like, uh, like step by step and, uh, and, yes. and just the 10 of us, not, not the shoebop ones, you know, what I'd call the shoebop type of songs, like a full house or, or a family matters, uh, because they, they belong to the same family and, and eventually, um, uh, I, I've made a promise to one of our listeners, uh, but I also feel like it'll be important. We've got it. We'll, we'll be doing like uh, the Jesse Frederick, uh, you know, house style uh, theme songs in a future episode. Uh, but there's there's definitely definitely a little bit of that in there. There's Step by also... Step is a great one. That's actually like one of those. I was trying to think of like what were the shows that were like, you know. Uh, God, I'm blanking on the shows now, but like, you know, the ones that were the most popular that we all talk about, what were the ones that were like that, but just like two steps back in terms yeah. of quality and, and step by step is, is definitely one of those shows. Yeah. Yeah. It also, the beginning of that WandaVision uh, theme, actually, I feel like the intro to it is very Doogie Hauser. Oh, yeah. I can hear a little bit of that too. I can um, hear that. That's, I guess, that's also part of that like early 90s thing that I was turning in on but then there was a moment about halfway through where the vocals kind of swelled a little bit and it, it was almost like a full house style was like right before the second key change <laughs> second key change probably i'd have to go back and listen to it again i wasn't taking notes of time signatures and key changes uh like build 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 so uh it's Good that you mentioned the 90s because what happens next is the show kind of 
skips the like early to mid nineties period, more or less altogether and goes, hmm. uh, goes for, goes for late nineties, early two thousands next. And they find a terrible band to play a song for them that no one's ever heard of. <laughs> oh, uh, more on that in just a moment. Let's uh, let's go ahead and give the song a listen first. One, two, one, two, three, Don't try to fight the chaos. Don't question what you've done. The game can try to play us. Go ahead and stop the fun. Some days it's all confusion. Easy come and easy go. What if it's all illusion? Sit back and enjoy the show. Sometimes I hate being right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that was uh, that that theme song was sung by uh, Kathleen Hanna of Bikini Kill and La Tigre. Cool. Uh, <laughs> did they write it? <laughs> no, they did not. All, all That's of good. These, all of these theme songs were written by the same uh, by the same husband and wife composer team, uh, who I'll reveal a little bit later. Okay. Well, then, God, they're good because yeah. that is there were so many shows in the late 90s that had specifically that song it may well be that song where if you look at the music to it it's actually pretty raw i mean that's like a standard three chord punk song but with odd vocal choices and then when you know, what happened in the 90s, from my perspective, at least, is that like half the time you'd hear a song like that for a show that had absolutely no business having a song like that for a theme song. I, uh, one, I feel like that's what kind of Buffy the Bam- Vampire Slayer was as a show. Like it had this weird kind of like fast rock thing going on. And like, why? <laughs> that band was, that was Nerf Herder. Oh, well. I didn't like it, so sorry, Nerf Herder. <laughs> well, the the specific uh, inspiration referenced for this one was Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, I could see that, but Malcolm in the Middle at least was uh, they might be giants, right? Yeah, and but it did have a little like it's kind of edgy for a they might be giants song too. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's right, a little rough. right. You're talking about the 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 the, the, the you're not the boss of me song. Is, yeah. Is t- it's kind of kind of rocky on a on a they might be giant scale. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. I would agree with that. Um, although, then again, you know, it's like they are also the the folks. Now, Daily Show is a cover, but it's a cover by They Might Be Giants. We were talking about the John Stewart version, um, but again, also very very rocky. So, like maybe maybe uh, maybe if you know, I, I assume at this point that They Might Be Giants is not uh, looking for ways to uh, broaden their commercial appeal. Um, but based on their success with both of those theme songs, maybe they, maybe if they, if they wanted to just like cash something in, uh, their next album could be, you know, uh, much more punky in, in its in its uh, in its feel. Yeah, and if any, if either of the Johns wants to come on and talk to us about it, send us an email. It needs to be catchypod at gmail.com. By God, yes. All right. <laughs> So we've got one more that we are uh, that we need to cover. Uh, we are we are skipping ahead uh, to the uh, now to the to the mid twenty uh, first. If they come century. on the show, I will talk to them exclusively about the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, or uh, Mickey Mouse, yeah, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, because it's so good. Like their music on that show is actually good. I will I will give you this at least that's at least that's theme song related. <laughs> 
So I will, I will, I will, I will allow it. I won't. Why did you write a song like Minimum Wage? Go ahead, tell us about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so again, we're uh, we're in the middle of the 21st century now. Here is uh, here is the last uh, of the Wandavision theme songs. So that, that one should be pretty obvious, right? No, because I was immediately yes, thinking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what were you, what, what were you immediately thinking? Well, I just started thinking about all of the 2000 sitcoms that I remember. I mean, we were just talking to Stuffy uh, Walden. I was thinking about like the Norm show, which is mm-hmm. like very ska, but still like, and it had lyrics too, but it was like very much like this kind of music, which was maybe five years back from when it was popular, but mm-hmm. also like a truncated version of it. Like the thing about Norm, I don't know why it's the first thing that popped in my head, is that like it's a pretty good self-contained ska song, but it literally is only the 30 seconds that you need for that. And it's the same thing with this one. Um, right. Well, let me let me play you, let me play you uh, another another uh let me play you the theme song that that i feel like it sounds like the most like and see if it if the connection gets made i'm sure it will but it's like exactly the same almost Right, so uh, you know, it's almost you, exactly the same song, and I'm telling you right now, I don't remember what show that is. <laughs> okay, so that that's the theme song from The Office. Right, of course. Okay. Um. So, can I get one more point? Can it be Daniel Ford? <laughs> no, fuck you. This ain't no Daniel segment. Suffice it to say that you may be losing the Daniel segment, but you are heartily winning the entire series. <laughs> The rest of the show. <laughs> hey, I, I guess that's up. fair. If, if because the rest of the episode, I, I, I've, I've bent it to my will to become like <laughs> Daniel gets the Daniel segment, and the rest of it is Joey segment. <laughs> you know, and that's that's where I also confess, like I was never an Office fan. That's probably why I don't know that. I watched the shit out of Parks and Rec, but mm-hmm. the Office, I've seen like five episodes. You know, fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, but yeah, it's like, you, and you can see what Greg meant uh, now about like, as they went on, like their focus narrowed. Yeah, um, definitely. Because, uh, because there are, you know, there, there are a variety of those, you know, uh, mockumentary style sitcoms out there, you know, Modern Family and um, trying to think of a couple, Parks and Recreation is another one that, you know, that we've, we've talked about, uh, that you just talked about. And uh but but that one that one is is so heavily dependent on your you know uh, you recognizing the comfort signal of the the office theme song mm-hmm. that if mm-hmm. if if you are someone like yourself Daniel who who did not watch much of it uh, there you are it's like you you may vaguely recognize what's going on but you're feeling a little lost whereas like the rest of us uh, hear it and we immediately go okay yes this is absolutely what that is right that makes sense yeah. 
and uh, you know, it, I, there's going to be a lot more of you than me <laughs> because it was a pretty big show for a pretty long time. Right. So, um, so, so a couple, couple of, a uh, couple of other things I want to sort of throw in here. Uh, the couple that wrote these theme songs uh, are uh, uh, Robert Lopez and his wife, Kristen Anderson Lopez. Um, they are probably best known at this point for uh, writing the songs for Frozen and its sequel, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, you know, th- th- that at this point is, is pretty, pretty iconic to, you know, even, even people who haven't seen, uh, seen those movies have, have not managed to escape those songs. Yeah. Um, and they have provided a lot of uh, material that sort of, you know, breaks down uh, their process in terms of writing these themes, partly because, you know, the content machine is hungry over it uh, at Disney Plus and also on on YouTube. Um, but I did want to mention, you know, it's like um, uh, Robert Lopez also is not uh, any kind of, he's, he's no stranger to, uh, to, to diving into uh, to, to genre uh, homage or parody as the uh, as the author, uh, the songwriter for musicals like Avenue Q and the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. But also, um, also uh, he had some experience with the uh, the music of the uh, sitcom Scrubs, uh, writing songs for for that as well. So that you know, obviously he's he's kind of like you know they're they're primed for this kind of you know television uh, job and experience. So uh, one thing, uh, Kristen. Anderson Lopez released herself onto uh, YouTube uh, was a breakdown of uh, the WandaVision uh, motif. So we hear you hear her those notes there. Mm-hmm. That, that it's it's the it's the it's the thing that recurs throughout all of them. So you know because as as you know we have these very different songs: the '50s songs, the '60s songs, the '70s, the '80s. Like they. Um, you know, she's she's basically telling us that she's built in that that signal to let you know what the show is. Hmm. Um, I feel like I feel like she couldn't have provided a better thesis statement uh, to us for in terms of what we're trying to do um, on our show here. Um, for well, for one thing, I I, I want to take a moment and just kind of mention something about um, uh, about the uh, about how this like. You know, this is these these songs are written by a couple. It's 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 the both of them. Um, but I wanna I wanna sort of take a moment to specially shout out uh, Kristen Anderson Lopez. And the reason I want to do that is because one thing that's become really apparent to me through uh, through studying up on these episodes and 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 trying to look at it with you know through an, you know an academic and, and historical lens is how much of a boys club theme songwriting is and i don't think i'm i'm not necessarily calling out like individual composers you take the gigs that are are offered to you or the gigs that you want to get but i do think you know uh, whether unconsciously or not probably probably to an extent it's unconscious but it is you know it's it's an ingrained form of you know mm-hmm. sexism that the executives and the people who are creating these shows are are offering these opportunities uh to to guys uh to write this music and so it it is it to me it's really cool and it's it, it's it's an interesting point in this uh series favor which uh definitely follows uh follows the the journey of a of, of a of a major female superhero in the marvel universe um uh, that 
we made sure that they got uh, they got a woman's voice in the uh, in the writing of the music, and mm-hmm. um, and I would be I'd be really interested to see what could happen if you know if, if if they were if they were willing to you know give more female songwriters a chance on writing theme songs, um, and that's you know that's all I'll say about that right right here and there. But yeah. I do think I do think it's worth mentioning because I'm pretty sure at this point um, she is the only female theme song composer we've had the opportunity to cover. Um, I think that's all I have really to say about this one. Uh, I, but, uh, but if, you know, I, if we, if we want to keep that conversation going, of course, you know, we can, uh, we can connect uh, to you on our socials and we plan to do that. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Greg, where, how are some of the ways that people can reach us? Like I said earlier in the show, if you want to send us an email, you can hit us at it needs to be catchy pod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram. It needs to be catchy. Facebook, it needs to be catchy, or Twitter at needs to be catchy. I'm currently currently trying to break my record of one tweet every couple of months on our accounts. <laughs> so check it out; you might see something new. Uh, awesome, um, and of course, uh, our theme song uh, here at it needs to be catchy uh, is the Happy Boy End theme, written by a friend of the podcast Kevin McLeod. Um, and uh, and if if we don't have anything uh, any other final thoughts, I, I think we can probably go ahead and wrap this one up. Yep. yep. All right. Well, so for all of us here at It Needs to Be Catchy, I'm Joey. I'm Daniel. And I'm Greg. We'll see you next time. What a vision. I don't know that I have ever edited an episode where you came in on time and said, <laughs> and like it, you know, catches, it catches you by surprise every single time. And it's not as if Joey doesn't do a two minute lead up to it. 